0: Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mistress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. I did not bring my beverage in here with me. I'm going to need that. Okay, we're good now. <laughs> okay, so 20 years ago today, the episode from season six, normal again, first aired. Um, and just like quick, quick update on the schedule. We, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, we have five weeks of No Buffy to talk about before we talk about the next episode, which is called Entropy. So that is, okay, so after tonight, most likely, I will be back in a couple of weeks, you know, you know how I am. (laughs) I'll be back in two to four weeks to talk to you about, um, I'll catch up on the angel episodes that I've missed, which is not going to be that many, but I will come back to talk about those. And then we'll resume when it's time for entropy at the very end. The last Saturday of April is when I'll be back to talk about entropy. So that for sure will happen. And most likely sometime before then, I will be here to talk to you about the episodes of Angel, because I think that's just how I'm going to do it for now, because um, it's working. Just kind of like during during the Buffy breaks, we'll talk about Angel. <laughs> so there you go. So if you are listening in real time in 2022, March 2022, then um, I'm going to be absent for at least a couple of weeks. Um, hope that's okay. My candle has gone out, so I have to pause again so I can get a new candle and light it, okay? <laughs> because you want the blow-by-blow, blow, right? I'm back. I've got two candles. I've got a beverage. All is right with the world. <laughs> okay, so this is a difficult episode to talk about, like many in um season six. I would like to... I thought I was going to be providing more trigger warnings and disclaimers and things like that during the season, but, um, and I think I probably should have been more mindful about that kind of shit. With this episode, the disclaimer is I, okay, so I did go to school. I almost got a bachelor's in psychology. I stopped two, I was two classes short and I was just sick of school And, um, I decided to switch my major to something else at the last minute, just because that would mean that I was done. (laughs) So I don't technically have a degree in psychology, but I was only two classes short. Um, so all that is just to say, I know enough about psychology to know that everything you see in this episode dealing with mental health is pretty much bullshit But I don't think you need a a degree in psychology to know that that is the case. I think it's easy to tell that this shit is, this is not, okay, so if you're having, even if there is something called an undifferentiated type of schizophrenia, that means that Buffy's just been stuck in a delusion for six whole years, even if that's a thing, which I don't think that's an actual thing. but even if it's a thing, um, I, this is not how you would deal with it. You wouldn't deal with it by killing your delusions symbolically because it's, it's very tricky dealing with, um, people who are, who suffer from schizophrenia. It's very difficult to, because you don't want to you don't want to play into their delusions, but you don't want to completely invalidate them either. It's a tricky balance. And um, this is definitely not the way to do it. I don't necessarily know what the right way to do it is, but this ain't it. But you probably knew that already. So the disclaimer is that I won't be able to provide a lot of constructive alternatives to how badly this episode deals with mental health but we can all agree we know enough to know this is not the way (laughs) but I mean obviously this is an episode of television and uh, the people that wrote this episode and directed this episode and created this episode were not necessarily people that knew what they were talking about as far as mental health is concerned. obviously. Okay. All of that said, let's talk about normal again, shall we? This is the one where, um, it's possible that Buffy has been in a mental institution this entire time. And the fact that she thinks she's a slayer is all part of her delusion. Yay. So I don't know what this trope is called in, um, in television but surely there's a name for this trope because I feel like this type of thing has been done many times in TV shows where suddenly you realize that every single thing that you know to be true within the universe of that particular show maybe isn't true at all that's it's a thing it's gotta be a thing there's probably a name for it but I don't know what it is I whenever I first saw this episode back in 2002 it was the first time I had ever seen this trope and I thought wow that is so smart man because they don't tell you which is the real reality what if she's just been crazy this whole time whoa but now as an almost 40 year old woman I'm thinking, this is stupid. This is just fucking stupid and it's lazy. And it's mean. I think it's stupid, lazy, and mean for the creators of a show that they've created this fantastical universe. They've made... You know, Buffy has done good things for the psyche of women growing up everywhere to tell us that we're strong. You know, it's a very despite the fact that, you know, Joss Whedon very much not a real feminist, kind of an asshole, more than probably kind of, but despite all of that, this show did a lot for feminist pop culture. It paved the way for a lot of, you know, strong female characters. It meant a lot to me. It possibly, probably, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because Buffy meant something to you. And it is a real asshole move to put out an episode of Buffy that basically poses the question, but what if she's just nuts? La 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 la. And then doesn't even answer the question. I, I think that only, okay, I would have been able to accept this episode existing as it did if it didn't have that very last scene, which is, like, probably less than 10 seconds long, where the the psychologist is, like, shining a light into Buffy's eyes whenever she's gone catatonic again on the institution side of reality or not reality, um, and... He's like, we've lost her. If they didn't have that very last scene, I think the rest of the episode posed the question clearly enough that it is possible that this is the real reality. And you could have still been left with the, I wonder if that's the real world. You could have still been left with that without it completely taking the wind out of your sails. I don't know. I just think this was, this was an asshole move and I hate it overall. So that's how I feel about that. Um, so the episode begins with, (laughs) I just took a little break so I could braid my hair, (laughs) feel a little less, a little less crazy myself. Um, the episode begins with Buffy, like walking around a neighborhood at night. She's looking at, there's really no reason why she should be doing this at night, but whatever she is. (laughs) This isn't like patrolling, but whatever. Um, So she's looking at recent rentals in Sunnydale because she assumes that that is where... um, Which makes, I guess, I didn't really put this together until just now, ever before watching Buffy. But I think they got scared when Buffy realized who they were because I think they were in Warren's basement, Warren's parents' basement before. And now they're in a different location, though. It's hard to see that they're in a different location. I think that they just got scared that Buffy was going to, you know, take them down or whatever. And so they recently rented a house and now they're living in the basement of they're still in a basement, but they're just in a different basement now. And Buffy doesn't know where they are. So she's trying to find them. So she's resuming, you know, normal slayer behavior at this point. And she is looking for them. She kind of finds the place, but she doesn't realize that she's found the place. She's about to realize that she's found the place. And, um... At this point, okay, so she's looking around. Then we switch point of views to uh, the trio. So Jonathan, Andrew, and Warren. Um, Jonathan is sleeping. He's supposed to be on watch or something. And Warren squirts him with a super soaker right next to a computer, which I call bullshit on that. These are proper nerds in the 90s. They wouldn't be squirting water all over the place right in front of a computer. (laughs) like, no, but anyway, that happens. Um, Jonathan wakes up. He's, it's clear that he's very uncomfortable being in this group now. And this is kind of the first time that we've really checked in with them since they killed, they killed Katrina. I can't say killed Katrina, killed Katrina. Um, and Jonathan just outright, you know, says, you know, Like, they're like, why did you fall asleep on your watch again? And Jonathan's like, I haven't had a decent night's sleep since. And then he trails off and you get, you get it. Like there's a rift between Jonathan and the other two because Andrew has allied himself more closely with Warren since that happened. um, Because I think he's scared of him and that, that's his way of coping with that. And Jonathan has distanced himself. Because he's freaking out, he doesn't know what to do, and he doesn't like what's happening. He thought that they were just gonna team up and have fun and it's become too real for him at this point, you know. I mean, they're not saying any of that at this point, but you kind of get the idea, I think. Um, um, so they see Buffy on the security cameras that she is looking through the windows upstairs of the house that they're in. So, um, and, uh, Warren tells Andrew to deploy his little friend. So Andrew gets out a didgeridoo and summons this waxy demon guy that attacks Buffy and Buffy, um, and it pokes Buffy with like a skewer that comes out of its hand. It's like that Polgara demon. You remember the one that the initiative, like killed. And then the pokey thing was in Adam's arm. Remember that whole thing? Anyway, it doesn't matter if you do, but this is, they're like reusing a thing, even though it's a different type of demon. Um, it still has a skewer in its arm, much the same way that that Polgara demon had in his arm. But anyway, um, so it pokes her. She's, she's dazed. We see her like wake up, after like being knocked out or something and she is just kind of dazed and she just goes home so it did the trick it distracted her long enough that she just forgot what she was doing and went home instead of like continuing the search for where the trio is living um let's see we cut to like it's the next morning willow is at school And she's waiting for class to get out or something. And she's kind of rehearsing, like, a conversation with Tara. Because she wants to, like, maybe ask Tara out for coffee or something. You know, that kind of thing. Since she's been magic free for several months now. And they've had a few situations where they have been around each other. And they're kind of reforming bonds and stuff like that. But Buffy, or Willow, sees Tara um, greet a friend and kind of do like a, like a cheek kiss greeting kind of thing. And she freaks the fuck out and runs away because she thinks like maybe it's a girlfriend or something. Um, which makes sense that, you know, Willow would just flip out and like, cause she's worried not only because, you know, of jealousy, but she's also worried that she will freak out and accidentally, you know, do magic And, you know, they're kind of giving Willow a similar storyline that they gave Oz in the sense that like, in the end, Oz had to leave Willow because he couldn't control the wolf side of himself when in her presence. He just loved her too much. He had too many emotions when he was around Willow. So he had to get away from her. And they're kind of making a similar, um, stance here with willow it's like she is she just loves tara too much that she could just go crazy with magic at any moment if she if her emotions are out of control regarding tara which is what's gonna happen is we have five episodes left guys we have entropy which is a relatively tame episode if i remember correctly the one where we find out that anya is a vengeance demon again And it's kind of a fun episode, if I remember correctly, again. And then we have the worst episode of all time, Seeing Red. And then we have um, three episodes of Willow being absolute, total, gothic evil. (laughs) And I mean, there's some devastation in those episodes for sure. But overall, I just think that's a really fun arc. It's just too bad that we had to kill Terra to get to that arc you know okay i keep having to pause i'm just like <laughs> my energy levels have been very low the last week and it seems like um most of the friends and family that i've talked to are feeling similar so just a little validation for you if you're listening right now in uh the first sector of march 2022 if you're feeling real low energy right now I don't know. I think it's in the air, but you know that's kind of normal for me when I when we transition into spring. Here we go. Okay, we're doing this. (laughs) Okay. So Willow storms off because she thinks she sees Tara kissing someone, and maybe it's a new girlfriend, and I don't know. And then later we see uh, Willow with her computer at the dining room table. Buffy sits, sits down next to her. And again, we get kind of a nice Buffy-Willow friendship conversation. This feels kind of like old times for a second. You know, Buffy's kind of checking in with Willow, like, Hey, what are you doing at home anyway? I thought you were going to go say hi to Tara. And Willow's like, yeah, well, she was seeing someone else. I don't know. They might've been friends. I didn't stick around long enough to figure it out. And Blah, 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 blah. And um, it... I thought it was interesting that, okay, so we see, I don't know exactly if there's a reason for this, but when we saw Willow, um, at the school about to go up to Tara and have a conversation with her, she's wearing like this white frilly top. And then later it's, it's later in the same day, we assume, and she's at home. Um, one might assume it's only like an hour or two later at this point. She's wearing a dark red shirt and she's wearing, I don't know if it's the exact same necklace, but it might be. It's definitely a similar necklace to the one that she wore after sacrificing the deer at the very beginning of the season. And it's a similar wardrobe change you know like she was wearing light colors and then later in the day after she sacrificed that deer without telling anyone she was wearing dark colors and a deep blood red beaded necklace she's wearing the same or very similar necklace right now and a dark red shirt after wearing something very frilly and light earlier in the day so I mean I think this wardrobe choice is a little bit of wardrobe... I think this is wardrobe foreshadowing, is what I think. Because when she had a very emotional reaction to seeing Tara, she came home and she changed into something kind of gothic, right? Um, And so I think this is a little bit of foreshadowing into, like, she can't really handle her emotions around Tara. And yeah, anyway, just saying just saying I noticed it I don't think I'd ever noticed that before um Xander comes in the door while Buffy and Willow are talking and he has been gone since he left Anya at the altar um one can assume he's been gone for a few days maybe a week I don't know so he comes back and he he opens up to everyone or to everyone to Buffy and Willow right away You know, they're like, come in, sit down. What's going on? How are you doing? You know, they don't really bombard him too much. They let him say what he wants to say without pushing him too much, which I I thought was nice. And he, he says a lot of sweet shit. He says, ever since I left, I've had this painful hole inside and I'm the idiot that dug it out. I screwed up real bad. And this is a monumental moment. For Xander this might be a turning point for Xander's character actually because I don't think we've ever seen him truly admit when he's wrong before like this is a moment he is admitting when he's wrong he is admitting that he's fucking screwed up Basically what he says is, you know, everything just got so overwhelming. I don't know. All I know is that I wasn't, I mean, he doesn't say this exactly, but he basically says, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't ready to get married, but he knows that he's better with Anya in his life. So his hope is that once he tracks her down and talks to her, they'll be able to continue dating. Um... This is something that like the show is going to tell you over and over again, especially in the next episode, that this is fucking stupid that he thinks this, that he thinks he can leave her at the altar and then just go back to dating her. I mean, I get that he shouldn't assume that that could be a possibility, but it doesn't sound completely stupid to me that that could be a possibility. I think the reason that it's not a possibility is because Anya, she needs to find herself without defining herself by her relationship to a man. She needs to find her own way. And that's why she can't go back to dating Xander because she won't be able to find herself in that context, you know? Um, that might be more thoughtfulness than the show is giving the character of Anya but that's what i think and but i don't think it should necessarily be like automatically stupid that he thinks that maybe they could continue dating because i don't know for to me you know life is weird people are weird situations are weird and nuanced like just because You don't want to get married doesn't mean you need to break up. I mean, yes, if you decide to ask someone to marry you and then you don't back out until the day of the wedding, that might be just too much of a deal breaker for someone. I could see that, but I could also see in a different circumstance, different people, different relationship, there might be a way to negotiate starting over in some capacity. That's all I'm saying. Um, It's just, it's a little bit more nuanced than you can't do that, Xander. And they don't really tell him that. They're just kind of like, so you still want to date? Like, I think they realize that that sounds a little bit like, I think they both Buffy and Willow probably realize that that's not going to work for Anya, but they are gentle with him. And this is nice. It's just nice to see both in the last episode and this episode, we're getting some open, honest conversations for the first time in a very long time. People are just actually talking about what they need to fucking talk about, for the most part, when it comes to the core group of people in the show. Oh, I forgot, I skipped over this, but there's a scene with Buffy at the Double Meat Palace. So apparently that day that she walked out a couple of episodes ago um, to help Riley, wasn't actually her quitting, sadly. But this might be the last time we see her at Double Meat Palace. I don't know. Um, Do we get... Maybe it's just sort of like a situation where, like, we come back in season seven and there's an offhand remark at some point that she's not working at Double Meat Palace anymore. Or maybe she quits, quits when she gets offered the job as guidance counselor in season seven I don't know but I just kind of want to know since I don't remember how did she stop working at Double Meat Palace does she quit do they just never mention that she's no longer there I don't know I'm just curious so I'm keeping keeping my eye on it that's all (laughs) um let's see I screwed up real bad. And there's some acknowledgement in a few different conversations in this episode, too, between Buffy, Dawn, Willow, and Xander. Some acknowledgement, occasionally, that, dude, we've not been okay. All of us. We've all had a lot of issues in the last year, and... They're starting to emerge from it. You know, they're healing. They're coming out of it. Willow's quit magic. Xander finally spoke up that he didn't want to get married. Um, Buffy finally left Spike. They're in a weird little purgatory state where they're about to... They're starting to admit what's going on to each other. And they'll be able to start healing. That's what's happening right now. (laughs) And it's nice to see and uh i would be having some hope right now if i didn't know what was about to happen to everyone <laughs> but you know um okay then we get later that night buffy is patrolling i guess in the cemetery she sees spike he's on his way back to his crypt after getting some groceries he's got like a bag of groceries or something and so my note is spike versus buffy in cemetery Um, so, you know, the last conversation we had between Spike and Buffy was an open, honest conversation with some jokes and it was nice. Remember Spike had on his sympathetic makeup, you know, he's not wearing his sympathetic makeup in this episode, just so you know. (laughs) My my mom, when I was watching with her, what are you talking about? What is this makeup thing that you're talking about? And I wasn't able to give her a visual example because he didn't have it in this episode. But, um, so he says hi to Buffy and he says something like, are you looking for me? And she's like, really not? So she, this is a reversion to, you know, Buffy. Buffy was open and sweet to Spike in the last episode. And he did not get his guard up with her at all. It wasn't their usual defensive bullshit between the two of them in the last episode. But immediately in this conversation, she's she's rude to him. And so he immediately gets defensive. But then they kind of have a normal conversation because he says something about the wedding and Buffy realizes, oh, he doesn't know that, Xander left Anya, so she sits down on a little bench and she talks to him about it like they're old friends, which was kind of nice for a second. Um, but then, um, Xander and Willow show up, and Spike is, or Xander's being like particularly like stupid with Spike in this episode, and there's like a lot of spike and xander petty fighting bullshit in this episode whatever it starts here um spike and xander start like fighting and buffy once she sees them having conflict with each other that triggers her to have her first like we've seen like a little glimpse of her being maybe in a hospital before this moment but this is the first time we see her actually have dialogue in this other scene, in this other reality, where um, the the doctor, whoever played this psychologist, um, he did a good job. I, I liked him. I even, despite the fact that his methods were absolutely horrendous, <laughs> and not what a psychologist would really be doing, um, he seemed like a very compassionate, nice... Smart person, like I liked him and I trusted him despite the scenario. I think he was a good actor. Um, so he, this is where he tells her, You've been, you're Buffy, you're in an institution, you've been with us for six years. Her mom and dad are there. So we actually get some lines from Hank in this episode. Like, I was thinking about it while watching this episode how many episodes is Hank actually even in? throughout the course of the whole series, like maybe five episodes, something like that, for sure less than 10, but I think it's always the same actor or else they always hire someone that looks enough like this guy, but I think it's the same guy. Anyway, um... and so in this scene, we're going back and forth between Buffy in the cemetery with Spike, Willow and Xander And in the institution with her mom and dad and the psychologist, which I don't even know, like, do we ever get a name from him? I don't know. It's possible that we do. And I just don't remember. Um, everybody's being very hostile to Spike. Um, and by everybody, it's mostly just Xander. Um, and he's like, he immediately flips into nurture mode. As soon as, you know, they see that Buffy, Buffy kind of collapses and she looks like she like is having a headache. She's obviously having these dissociative moments um, where she's going in and out. And so they're, they're, you know, gathering around her to help her and Spike's like, oh my God, well, let me, let me, let's get her back to my crypt, you know, because they're right there. And this would be a somewhat normal interaction between all of them at this point. But, um... Xander's like, no, we'll take her home. Like, why, why are you suddenly being like this, Xander? Like, why? Maybe just because Spike insulted Xander as soon as he got there because of the fact that he left Anya and Z- Spike makes a bunch of terrible jokes about it or something. Like he's not a man because he left Anya or whatever. Um, so maybe he's just being super defensive because of that or that's what we're supposed to think. Whatever. Anyway, so they take Buffy home. And as they're leaving, as they're out of earshot, Spike sort of says, put some ice on the back of her neck. She likes that. So this is not the first time, but we've gotten like little inklings here and there of like, maybe Buffy and Spike had more of an actual relationship than they let on. Like they made it seem when it was all going on that Buffy was just sleeping with Spike. But they're like a little post-mortem their post-mortem of their relationship, little comments here and there like that. Like, how would Spike know that she likes to have ice put to, on the back of her neck if she's like, I don't know, like post-slaying or something? I don't know. So maybe they had more of an actual relationship than, um yeah, I guess, I guess that's what we're supposed to think, but we really didn't see a lot of that. And it would have been nice to see a lot of that, see more of that. Cause then I think we would be a little bit more invested in it. But all we saw was, you know, them having sex a lot. That's all we ever saw. Um, but anyway, um, then we get a scene back at Buffy's house, Willow and Dawn and Xander are all, all on the couch together, and Willow and Dawn are on either side of Xander, and then Buffy's sitting on, like, a chair across from them, and I kind of liked this scene. It was just a subtle thing that I feel like was probably intentional. Like, both Willow and Dawn are kind of cuddled up to Xander. I think at one point Dawn even has, like, her arm linked with Xander's, and they're sort of they're kind of cuddly with him. And I think it's sort of sweet because it's, to me, I think it's like a a little bit of a nod to the fact that he's, he's not doing well right now. You know, he just left, left Anya. He right now would probably be actively going to look for her if they didn't need to take care of Buffy right now, you know? So I think this is just sort of them, them showing a little bit of care to their friend Xander in this moment. Like, even though we need to be all about Buffy and making sure we help Buffy right now, um, you know, they're still thinking about him. I don't know. I just thought that was sweet and I had never noticed it before. And I think it was intentional. And then we get, um, at some point, like the next note that I have is we're back in the institution reality and the psychologist is saying to, to Buffy and her mom and her dad, for the last six years, she's been in an undifferentiated type of schizophrenia. Um, and something about her delusions aren't as comforting as they once were. He says, um, you know, in the past she has had, he kind of like outlines, you know, the life of Buffy. Like she's some kind of superhero. She has all of these demons and monsters that she fights, but the current The current, um, foes are just some kids that she, or ordinary students that she went to high school with. They're three pathetic little men, which I don't think a psychologist would word it like that. You know, the fact that he would be having this conversation at all, outlining what Buffy's delusions are, trying to explain her reality to her mom and dad. I I don't think that that would be happening. I don't think that a psychologist would be so invested in making sure they knew all of the details. And why would they know all the details of Buffy's delusions? You know, she's not like narrating them, but anyway, whatever. It's a TV show, blah, blah, blah. Um, (laughs) But he, you know, kind of does a bunch of exposition here. And I, I seem to have like I feel like I've heard this a lot when people are critiquing season six of Buffy. They will always go back to, like, how pathetic Warren, Jonathan, and Andrew are as foes. That is the fucking point. They are, you know, self-destructing. Buffy, Willow, Xander, all the core group, Dawn, they're self-destructing. They are destroying themselves, So the, the fact that Warren, Jonathan, and Andrew are even affecting Buffy at all, I mean, I know I've said this before, but the only reason why they're affecting her at all is because she is not okay. She's, she's really been slummin', as Willow said earlier in the episode. Like, we've all been slummin'. Or this is the moment where she kind of says it. Um, or no, I'm getting ahead of myself. This hasn't happened yet. Anyway, so like anytime people say that, I'm just like, you're missing the fucking point. They're not the big bad. I mean, the big bad is kind of willow, you know, but it's mostly everyone against themselves. That is the big bad in this season. And I just, I think this is such an important season and people, people talk about it as if it's the worst. And I guess it's just, The people that talk about it like that probably haven't dealt with the kind of depression and angst that is being dealt with in this season. And I could see how it might be difficult to understand and difficult to watch and difficult to comprehend if you haven't been through something like that, you know? But it was, anyway... I will defend season six until the day I die. I'm just saying. Wow. I'm talking a lot more this week. I've had like short episodes the last couple of weeks, but I'm only like a page into my notes and I still have two more. So this is going to be a long one tonight. You already know. You already know how long it is. Okay. Um, but I mean, he does say some shit that sounds smart, you know, in the context of the show, like your delusions aren't as comforting anymore, are they? Now your foes are, you know, your enemies that you're fighting are really kind of pathetic, right? (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. Um, Then we go back to uh, the basement with Warren, Jonathan, and Andrew. Uh, Jonathan tries to leave. He's just feeling very trapped and uncomfortable, and he just wants to get away from them. You can tell but he's like, I want to go, go. I want to go get some stuff that I need because Andrew and Jonathan or Andrew and Warren just came back with like supplies for something. And they're not telling Jonathan what it's about. And Jonathan's getting more and more paranoid and blah, blah, blah. And so he tries to leave and Warren won't let him go. So it's, possible that they've been trapped in that basement together since they moved and Jonathan in particular, they're not letting him leave. And Warren kind of says something to the effect of like, well, as soon as you stop freaking out, we'll let you in on what's going on. Um, so it's, it's anyway, I think we'll see. I think it's probably in the next episode or it might be the one after that. I don't know. Um, where we see, um, Jonathan betrays them. He helps Buffy. Um, that's probably in Seeing Red, I think. I think it's in that episode. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll get there. Um, okay. Then we get another conversation between Buffy and Willow. Um, Buffy's just, you know, at this point, she's really out of it. She's just kind of hanging around her house, wearing a white hoodie, just looking real real out of it. Um, and Willow comes up and talks to her. She says she's found the demon. She shows her a printout from her computer of the demon. Buffy confirms that's the right one. She says, okay, well, all we have to do is track it down, create an antidote, um, based on the, like, the demon carries an antidote to their own poison within them or something. I don't know. And Willow's like, we're going to, we're going to get you fixed up. It's going to be fine. And Buffy starts confiding in Willow, which is nice. Again, she says, I've been so detached, you know, even before this happened, I've been so detached. And this is when Willow says, yeah, we've all kind of been slumming it. You know, (sighs) I do think, I don't know if this was intentional, um, but I, on the part of the writers, but I do think that Willow really, I mean, she was listening to Buffy. She was providing validation for Buffy in this conversation, but she wasn't, I don't know. They didn't, they could have gone deeper. I feel like, I I feel like Willow wasn't completely showing up for this conversation. I don't think she was doing, you know, she wasn't being all weird and avoidy like she has been before in this season, but She wasn't entirely being there for Buffy either. I don't know. I think that's just me reading too much into it, but this is where Buffy confides in um, Willow, something that we didn't know, which is, and that Willow didn't know, which is that Buffy has been in a mental hospital before. Um, Her mom and dad committed her, I guess, um, when she first started seeing vampires whenever she first became a slayer, I guess. So before we met her, um, and she was only there for a couple of weeks. She just kind of stopped talking about vampires and then they let her go. This doesn't really work as far as continuity is concerned, because I just feel like Joyce wouldn't be acting. Joyce would have mentioned it, you know, because I don't know. Anyway, whatever. doesn't matter. (laughs) But, um, she tells that whole story and it's really sad and I I cried a lot, especially the first time I watched the episode. Like when any time Sarah Michelle Geller cries, I cry. Like she is just so good. But <laughs> whenever she was like Oh, whenever she tells Willow that story, and then she says, What if I'm still there? What if I never left? And oh it just breaks my heart in two, <laughs> but it's 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 a lot. It's a lot, and Willow listens, and she's she's there for her. I don't know. I I don't know what I'm expecting here, but um, it's yeah. Anyway, I just love seeing like this episode in the last. Well, no, not the last episode because I was mad at Willow in the last episode. But this episode is like if Willow could be like this all the time like, there for Buffy, um, opening up to Buffy, like, having a real friendship, like, uh, I miss this Willow, you know? I do. I think we do get more of this Willow in season seven, but anyway. Okay, let me, let me stop getting off track here. (laughs) But, um, so Willow tells Buffy that Xander is out with some help to track down the demon. And then we cut to, uh, Xander and Spike fighting with each other. And at one point, um, oh, I forgot to mention that after Buffy's like, what if I'm still there? And she's so sad. And Willow says, I'm so sorry you had to go through that, which is something that is interesting. I feel like it's much more This, this type of language is much more in our, the way we talk to people in 2022 than 2002, you know, that sort of like, I'm really sorry that happened to you. That kind of like, that language that is very much not about victim blaming, that sort of language of, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm so sorry you had to go through that and shit like that. Um... I feel like that is not a way that you normally saw people talk back in 2002. Just noting it, just saying it was nice that Willow just said, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. There you go. Um, So, and it also makes sense. I'm just thinking of this now that like, because I firmly want to believe that the Buffy reality is the real reality, not the institution reality, not the scared little girl reality. I think the Slayer reality is the real one. Okay. (laughs) I'm firmly on the side of Slayer reality, but when Buffy, uh, it makes sense to me that if the Slayer reality is the real reality, that the delusions that she developed because of this demon being this mental hospital. It makes sense that her delusions would form based on the memory of having been in that environment before that, uh, you know, mental health facility or whatever it was. It makes sense that her brain would go there and create that as a vivid hallucination because of that demon. Just saying. Um, okay. Spike and Xander. So Spike says something to the effect of, you know, it's really funny that we're all just figments of Buffy's imagination, that, that her, her mind would make me fall in love with her and turn me into her sodding sex slave. And of course Xander's like, what? (laughs) Uh, The amount of times that like different characters just confess Things like this, and then everybody's just like, huh? <laughs> like, whatever, whatever. Yes, I know it's TV. Um, I like the moment where, um, so Xander and Spike find the demon, which is interesting because if Andrew summoned the demon, I guess it's possible that, okay, never mind. I just talked myself out of that anyway. Because, like, Andrew wouldn't have probably had what it takes to defeat the demon. So once he summoned it, he probably just didn't even worry about it after that. So that's why it's still wandering around. Um, so when Xander and Spike find the demon, they fight him. Xander has like a tranquilizer dart gun thing, shoots him a couple of times and he gets knocked out. And afterwards Xander says to Spike, I altered his reality. Cause they're talking about alternate realities in the conversation right before they find the demon. Anyway, it was cute. Um, and then I just wrote that up until this point with the exception of, okay, this is one of the reasons why it really bothers me. Like just conceptually, emotionally in general, this, the way that this episode is executed bothers me. And it's mostly because of that very, very last scene. But th- throughout the rest of the episode, we are consistently only seeing Buffy's perspective in the hospital scenes, in that reality. But in the Slayer reality, we see scenes without Buffy being present. So that, to me, supports the fact that the Slayer reality is the real reality because it doesn't always need Buffy to be there. Whereas Buffy is always present And it's usually from her perspective, with the exception of that very fucking last scene, which ruins the whole thing. But anyway, already talked about that. We're not even there yet. Um, okay. Where are we? Two pages left. I'm only halfway through my pages. Oh my God. Okay. It's fine. We had to spring forward tonight though. So, you know, I'm losing an hour, but this is the last time I'm going to get to talk to you guys for like a month. So, let's just settle in, okay? Get a beverage if you haven't already. <laughs> um then we get a conversation between Buffy and Don. Um Don comes into the room and Buffy says, "I'm okay, Don." And Don says, "Yeah, the thousand-yard stare really sells that." <laughs> She's in her bedroom at this point. Um and then she has like a dissociated dissociative hallucination moment where she goes to the hospital reality and she has a conversation with, um, she mentions Dawn because she's having a conversation with Dawn in the Slayer reality. And the doctor tells her that she doesn't have a sister or something like that. And Buffy says, I know I don't have a sister. Monks created her. I didn't grow up with her. Then she comes back to the Slayer reality and Dawn is crying and, you know, and this is understandable. You know, I know that like Dawn's always storming out of the room and yelling at people to get out of her room and, you know, all that shit, but she is a fucking teenager. It makes sense that they're writing her this way. And yes, it's annoying sometimes, but can you imagine being her, (laughs) you know, you didn't exist before like a year ago, but you have memories of a life with your family. And then your not-mom-mom dies, and your not-sister-sister dies, and then she comes back to life. And, I mean, just put yourself in Don's shoes for two seconds. Every time you're feeling really annoyed with her, put yourself in her shoes for a second. Just saying. So she's upset, and she says you know, you said it yourself, you don't have a sister. And then she says, um, it's your ideal reality. I'm not even there. Like, it makes sense that Dawn would say that, but it's not an ideal reality just because her mom and dad are there and they're together. It doesn't mean it's an ideal reality. She's in a mental hospital. The ideal reality is obviously the one where she's a superpower chick, right? Um, but anyway, so Dawn storms off. Of course. Um, Xander and Spike take, have the demon. They take it to the basement and tie it up, um, so that Willow can get what she needs to make the antidote. Willow's still not doing magic. Like she explains to Xander exactly how she's going to make the antidote and that it will have nothing to do with magic. Um, Willow brings Buffy the antidote and like, I feel like I'm skipping a lot, but That's apparently I just didn't write a lot in my notes in this particular moment of the episode, but Willow brings Buffy the antidote and, um, Spike comes into the room or something. Willow leaves Buffy. This is another point where like, Willow is the anti-MVP again, like not really, but in this moment, I think if she were being a real BFF to Buffy... She would have stayed in the room and made sure she drank the antidote, especially considering the nature of this situation where Buffy is having a break with reality. Like she doesn't know what's real. So she might be inclined to not take an antidote in this situation. And it should be, I just, I just feel like that would be something that you might assume and you wouldn't like, yeah, Willow likes Spike more than Xander does but willow might not necessarily trust spike to make sure that she drinks the antidote but whatever it's fine she probably could normally trust spike to make sure that she drank the antidote but she tells spike make sure she drinks all of that and she leaves the room to go talk to don and then spike and buffy have a conversation that, you know, Spike says some insightful shit about Buffy. Um, first, Buffy is rude to Spike, and she says, you're not a part of my life, which sets Spike off. Like, have we not learned, Buffy, that whenever you're just kind to him and honest with him, he will respect your boundaries, but if you pull this fucking shit, he's an asshole. <laughs> like, come on, man. But anyway, Spike says... I hope you don't think that antidote's going to rid you of that nasty martyrdom, which ouch, but also he's not wrong. (laughs) And then he says, you know what? You're not drawn to the dark. Like I thought you're addicted to the misery. And then he talks about how, you know, if you could tell your friends about us, like either they would accept you and try to help you, God forbid. Or they would reject you and you would, you could finally be at peace in the dark with me. And then he says, if you don't tell your friends about us, I will. I mean, he's being real shitty, but also he's not wrong again, because I think, I mean, this is a weird thing to feel obligated to come clean with your friends about like, do they really need to know that she's sleeping with Spike No, but if she confides in them, she'll be able to heal easier. She'll be able to, you know, have more resources for actually staying away from Spike, who is bad for her, you know? Um, So Spike's not wrong, but he is an asshole. (laughs) Um, There's this uh, Aesop Rock song that's like, you're not, no, no, I'm confusing the Aesop Rock song with the quote from Big Lebowski. <laughs> yep, that's what's happening. Um. Um. Anyway, yeah, whatever. It's that whole, you're not wrong, Walter, you're just an asshole. Sorry, I've had a very long day, guys. Can you tell? Can you tell I'm, I'm sleepy? Anyway, what time is it? Is Zorro on? Are you cooking beans? Okay. What are we doing? So this conversation with Spike really upsets her. And this is a trend in the episode that every time she's around Spike, she has a bigger break from the Slayer reality into the hospital reality. And this is the moment where she decides she wants to get better. Like this conversation with Spike is the tipping point for her. So this is interesting because... Later, we see a conversation that she's having with Joyce, her mom, that leads her directly to believing in herself again and choosing the Slayer reality. This moment is the opposite of that. Um, So this is a conversation with Spike in the Slayer reality that leads her to choose the hospital reality. Whereas later in the, at the very end of the episode, we see a conversation with Joyce in the hospital reality, leading her to choose definitively the Slayer reality. And I think that's interesting because like the conversation with Spike here is he's I think what we're supposed to take away from it is that he's breaking her down. Like he's kind of telling some truth here, but he's breaking her down. He's manipulating her. That's true. He's manipulating her. And her reaction to that is, okay, maybe I am crazy. Let me just get better. I want to get better. So she, in the hospital reality, she says at this point, she like, chooses to go there almost. And then she says to the doctor, I don't want to go back there. I want to be healthy again. What do I have to do? And he starts talking to her about like last summer when you had a momentary awakening, which is obviously an allusion to the fact that she died last summer. Um, and then that kind of trails off there, or that's where my notes trail off anyway. Um, He's telling her that she has to rid herself of the things that are keeping her in her delusion. So for her, that means she has to get rid of her friends. This is a weird, like, again, this is not how psychology works, but for the purposes of this episode, it makes sense. That she needs to kill her delusions, which means she needs to kill her friends, the ones that are keeping her in this reality. And guess what, guys? It's not Spike Spike is not keeping her in the Slayer reality. Spike is leading her to choose the hospital reality. And it's kind of clear in this episode where Buffy's priorities are. It's like Dawn is number one, Willow's a close second, and then Xander. Those are the the people keeping her in the Slayer reality. Those are her true friends. At one point she says to Willow, you never stopped coming through. And that was just a sweet little moment. Anyway, I think that's already happened. I think she said that to her whenever she was bringing her the antidote. Um, Xander, we see a scene where, uh, okay, no, wait. We see Buffy talking to Willow and she's being real weird and we don't know what's going on. And then cut to Xander comes back. I guess he's gone home to like take a shower or something. And he's like, I'm back. Clean and with a better smell now. Um, he finds Buffy in the kitchen. She's all spacey. Um, and he's like, are you better now? And then it's just like, he just keeps talking. He's not listening at all. He just keeps talking for the purposes of the plot, whatever. He's just kind of like, are you all better now? That's great. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm happy to see you better now. Like, what's up with Spike? Like, he's kind of pathetic. Like, I almost feel sorry for him. blah, blah, blah. blah, blah, blah. You're just talking, 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 talking which I guess that tracks for Xander. And then Buffy hits him over the head with the frying pan and drags him into the basement. And we see that Willow is already tied up in the basement. So then she goes upstairs. It becomes like a horror movie. Buffy is stalking Dawn to take her downstairs. I don't know why Dawn didn't hear any of the rest of that shit. They could have just all they would have had to have done for this to be more believable is for Dawn to be listening to music when Buffy goes up to her bedroom. Cause Buffy, cause Dawn is like packing a bag, getting ready to go over to Janice's. Cause that's always the excuse. Um, when Buffy storms into her room and if she'd been listening to loud music or something like an angsty teen would be doing, then we could, we could imagine that she didn't hear like, Buffy dragging Xander and Willow to the basement, you know, but whatever. Anyway, um, Buffy attacks Xander. Willow's there too. Blah, 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 blah. Buffy gets Dawn last. Um, and then at one point, like when Buffy's stalking Dawn and she hasn't gotten her yet, She's like, cause what's more real, a sick girl in an institution or some kind of super girl chosen to fight demons and save the world. That's ridiculous. So that was just a funny little moment. Um, Funny and sad. (laughs) Um, So Buffy gets Dawn into the basement. So everybody's tied up in the basement. Buffy, or Xander, Dawn, and Willow tied up in the basement then Buffy unchains the demon and just like hides behind the staircase in the basement, like waiting for the demon to just kill them off so that she can choose the hospital reality. Like, these are the three people that mean the most to her in the Slayer reality. So just kill them off. Um, Tara shows up. Um, she's wearing this awesome malachite necklace. That is my object of the episode. I don't have a malachite necklace. Um, it's a good one. (laughs) If you don't know the stone malachite, imagine if you will, a green stone that kind of looks like beautiful swirly wood grain, but it's green, emerald green. Yeah, it's good. It's good shit. Anyway, so Tara shows up. Um, it's unclear why she's there. I don't know, but she shows up and she just kind of walks in the house. Um, and she's not getting an answer from anyone. One would assume she doesn't know anything about what's going on right now at all. Um, I don't know, maybe we get some insight into that in the next episode. Maybe we find out she knew something about the situation, but we assume she doesn't know anything about the situation. She just shows up. She ends up going to the basement because no one's answering her when she walks in the door. And she starts doing magic immediately to untie everyone, um, from their, you know, ropes and shit that Buffy has tied them up with. And as she's like walking down the stairs, doing magic and you know this occurred to me in this moment this time that like oh yeah Willow's not doing magic at all she might fucking die right now (laughs) alongside Dawn and Xander and she's not doing any magic I call a little bit of bullshit on this moment like because Willow could have gotten them out of this situation immediately but whatever um Tara starts coming down the stairs and Buffy trips her she like grabs her ankle from through the stairwell in the Nikki Stafford episode guide, um, it said something about, um, every other time we've seen Buffy's basement, the stairs have had cement behind them. There was no like, you know, hiding behind the staircase. It it was just like a wall of cement or something like that. But I, I didn't notice that, but whatever. So Buffy's hiding behind the stairs. She grabs Tara's ankle and, um, Tara falls down the stairs. We have to see Tara, Xander, Tara and Xander. I don't think we, we didn't see Willow or Dawn fall down the stairs, but both Tara and Xander, we had to watch fall down the fucking stairs in this episode, which sucked. So Tara falls down the stairs. Willow immediately goes to her side because she's untied now. And, um, she's okay. Everybody's okay. Um, the demon manages not to kill them. And, Buffy's just hiding behind the stairway and we get this whole time we're getting breaks between the hospital reality and the Slayer reality, you know, and in the hospital reality, Joyce has this like speech to Buffy. And at some point during this speech, Buffy makes the decision. Like you see it. Sarah Michelle Gellar is such a great actor. You see it on her face. You see her suddenly like something clicks for her based on what her mom is saying to her. And that's when she makes the decision to choose the Slayer reality. But this is what Joyce says. Pretty much word for word. I wrote down almost all of it. I know the world feels like a hard place sometimes, but you've got people who love you. And this is where Buffy starts to kind of like look at her like, oh, she knows what she's going to do. Right after Joyce said, you've got people who love you. And then she says... You've got a world of strength in your heart. I know you do. You've just got to find it again. Believe in yourself. And this is really powerful, you know, because Buffy just like looks at her mom. She says, you're right. Thank you. And then goodbye. And she chooses the Slayer reality. That is the moment that she does it. And... It's, it's an interesting allegory for, you know, chosen family versus like blood family, right? Like in our memory, we tend to make Joyce out to be this wonderful mother, but most of the time she really wasn't. And she also has so much pain and grief surrounding the death of her mother, of course, And she also feels responsible for the divorce between her mom and dad. Um, And all of this shit is, you know, stuff from her past. It really is stuff from her past. And it's also, this entire series of Buffy is about growing up, is about getting through adolescence. And this moment is Buffy choosing her future instead of her past. You know, she has this weird hallucination opportunity, hallucinatory opportunity to say goodbye to her mom. And she does, she just, she looks her in the eyes and she says goodbye. I kind of wish this was a little bit more, like I wouldn't have wanted like a really long scene, but if she... Could have like hugged her mom if she could have told her that she loved her instead of just thank you, goodbye. I don't know. but I mean, I don't know <laughs> um but I did like I, I liked that. I liked that it was Buffy's choice. She chose the Slayer reality. So in the end does it really matter which is the real reality because she chose. Um, she chose. Then we get like Buffy, you know, wakes up in the basement. She fights the demon. She easily dispatches it. And then we get like a hero shot. And there's like some window in the basement that we've never seen before. It's always been a dark basement, but now there's a window and suddenly she's lit from behind and there's like a hero shot. And, um, then she says i'm so so sorry to everyone everyone immediately forgives her um and willow buffy's like i need the antidote again and willow doesn't even question like why do you still need the fucking antidote but obviously she does um she says okay we'll get it for you we'll, we'll take care of everything it's going to be all right and then we get that very very last shot where the the doctor is shining like a light into Buffy's eyes and there's no reaction at all. She's just catatonic in the corner and he says, there's no reaction at all. I'm afraid we lost her and that's it. It just goes to the credits at that point. And that's the scene that pisses me off because why do we end on that reality? We ended on that reality so that all the viewers would question whether or not the Buffy reality is real. And of course it's not real. It's a fucking TV show, but it's, we're not watching, you know, people that watch fantasy, they're not watching it so that they can, I don't know. It's, I just hate it. It's, I just think it's shitty. I just think it's shitty. That's all. I can imagine that I kind of wish I was one of those people that was on like forums and chat rooms and shit like that back in two thousand two, but I really wasn't. Um, I chatted with some friends online and sent emails back and forth, and I was on ICQ messenger sometimes. But other than that, I just unfortunately I didn't really know about like the forum world. I wasn't on the famous Sunny or famous Buffy forum called the Bronze. I think is what it was called. And I kind of wish that I had been there for some of those conversations and had that sort of sense of community that would have been available back then. But because I would love to see what the reaction to this episode was from the fans afterwards. um, That would have been cool. But I've always sort of been a person that... I like what I like kind of quietly. <laughs> I mean, even though I'm talking about my favorite show of all time on a public podcast right now, I don't get feedback from people. So I st- I still just feel like I'm sitting in a room talking to myself because, well, I am, <laughs> but ostensibly people hear it. Um, But yeah, it would have been nice to see, like, what the reaction from the fans was whenever this episode first aired. Whenever any of these really difficult episodes first shared, I bet it was cathartic to have people to talk to about it, you know? And I realize we're all used to that now. Like, you can talk about anything on the internet with people now. But... um, back in 2002, it was more of a rare occurrence, you know, when you were watching things as they aired instead of being all info dumped on Netflix a season at a time. You know, the term binge watching shows was not a term yet in 2002. Anyway, I just think it would have been interesting to see what people had to say back then. I wonder if you can find like some old bronze forum um, archives. I think that's what it was called. Anyway, um, I guess that's it. Let's go back to, let's do ratings and then I can shut the fuck up. Y'all are hoping for that, right? Okay. Object of the episode, like I said, Malachite. It wouldn't be that hard for me to get my hands on a Malachite, um, pendant. It's just like one of those stones that I just don't have yet. Also Lapis Lazuli. I need a Lapis Lazuli pendant at some point, but I just never never wear blue. I do have a lapis lazuli necklace that my mom made me, but I just never wear blue. Anyway. Um, I do wear green though. I should have a malachite, (laughs) a malachite pendant. So that's my object of the episode. Let's write it in. You guys want to hear me write (laughs) ASMR writing sounds. Okay. Um, outfit of the episode, I don't, I mean, no one really had a good outfit in this episode. I mean, they were all, you know, just normal everyday outfits that the characters would be wearing, but nothing was interesting. I did like Buffy's like, Buffy's wearing a lot of beige in this episode, which was weird, but I did like her sort of like beigey tan turtleneck that she was wearing at some point during the episode. It, It just looked nice and cozy. Um, quote of the episode, hmm, I think whenever Xander said, I altered his, I altered his reality, I think I'll give it to Xander. He's, he's having a rough time right now. I'll give him the quote of the episode. Um, MVP of the episode. Um... Well, Willow does a lot of work to create the antidote without magic. And she does kinda she does kinda take charge. Like as soon as Buffy I mean, that's just kind of the way that it is though. The way that it's been for a long time. Whenever Buffy is like for some reason if she can't take charge of the situation, it's always Willow who does. Um but I do think she fell short in a couple of different instances in this episode. But let's give it to Willow. Like we hardly ever give Willow M V P She gets it five by five. I mean, despite the fact that I think that that very last scene just makes me cranky. And the fact that, you know, the writers think they're so smart by creating this sort of like, what if it were all fake reality, blah, blah, blah. And I just think they're assholes. It's getting some demerits for that aspect of it. But other than that, like when I first saw this episode, I thought, wow, that's so smart. Um, And it's, I think it, this episode definitely brings up some interesting conversations, right? So let's give it a three out of five. Sure. Why not? Okay. So there you go. I will see you. If I don't talk to you before, then it's going to be the last Saturday in April when I come back, but most likely I will be back at some point before then to talk about the Angel episodes that we are behind on. It's probably only like three-ish, three to five episodes. Um, I'll probably just watch them all in one night and then talk to you about them all at once, just like I did the last time, because I think that worked well. Um, yeah, so cool. Let me know if you have any thoughts about anything. Ray at ProtonMail.com. Um, it's always in the description. Um, uh, have a great, April, guys. Have a great rest of March and April, and I'll see you at some point. Okay, bye!